I am BJ Yoho. Welcome to Thundercast. Today on Thundercast, I will be interviewing Mr. Trent Provo, who is the new superintendent at Eastern Green. How are we doing today? Very good. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for being here. I'm excited to talk to you today. No problem. All righty. So I want to start with, where are you from? I uh, grew up in Monticello, Indiana, which is northern Indiana. Um, actually had the ability to go back there and actually work there um, after you know I graduated high school there and I got to come back as, a, as an administrator there. So for about the past uh, 12 years, Twin Lakes School Corporation, Northern Indiana. Um, then last year was at uh, North Lawrence as the director of personnel there. So um, most of my life's been in Northern Indiana, so I'm kind of kind of new to living in Southern Indiana. I gotta say, it's really sweet being around here. It's it's been nice. Um, obviously, I've visited Southern Indiana a lot. I've been all over the state. So um, actually, living here, my family's found it uh, very nice. Lots lots of things to do and. Just we've had a, we've had a good time living here so far. What got you into the education system? Well, um, it's funny because when I actually went to college, um, my first major was um, pre dentistry. I thought I wanted to be a dentist. I wanted to be in the health field of some sort. Um, it just didn't really work out for me. The first semester, I just really wasn't enjoying my classes, and I I felt like I needed to to change. So I just started thinking to myself. What do I like to do? What do I, you know, appreciate that sort of thing? And I really always liked school. I always did well. I really, you know, I, I always pushed myself to do do my best. And I thought I can do the same thing for other kids. I can I can show them my love of of education. So I decided to get into teaching, and I did that for seven years. But after my um, fourth year of teaching. I had made the decision I really wanted to get into administration. I just thought that's where some of my skills were. I, I thought I had had good skills for administration, so started taking classes toward my master's and a principal's license and did that. Um, became a, an assistant principal for a while and then became a principal. And then a few years ago, I decided, um, you know, I really think that the superintendency is is somewhere where I could shine even more with my skills. So I decided to go and get my, um, it's called an EDS. It's an um, educational specialist license. Um, so I got that. Um, I'm actually only, I just need to write my dissertation for my PhD. So that is kind of what brought me in education is just the love of education and trying to help kids, really, show them you know, how, how great education can actually be. Being at Eastern Green, what are you excited for the most? I really am excited about the culture I have seen here. I was told a lot about it, but until you can actually get here and experience it, it's not the same. So what I've experienced so far is um, basically what everybody's told me, which is it's a very um, tight-knit community. People care about these schools. People care about the students within the schools. Um and that's what I'm excited for because you can have a lot of success at, at a school system if you have people who care. And I'm not just talking about teachers. I'm talking about the, the parents, the patrons, the business owners. If they really care about a school system, you can have a lot of success. So 
that's what I'm really looking forward to being a part of and tapping into. And then just the, the other things I'm excited about is just being able to lead an entire corporation. It's a little bit different when you're a principal, you're, you're more concentrated on just your building. Well, now as a superintendent, I'm concentrated or concentrating on um, every kid and every teacher and every employee. So I'm excited to, to help that. It's, it's a daunting task, but I'm excited about um, helping in that way. Can you tell me a little bit what it was like switching school districts from Eastern to your previous school? Yeah, it was kind of interesting. Um, you know, for that that one year, um, the 18-19 school year, I was director of personnel. Well, the, the, the new superintendent that came in at North Lawrence um, needed me to go back into a elementary building as a principal. So I did that. And then this position opened up. And I decided I was going to put in for it and obviously eventually got it. So it was kind of strange for a while um, because for the last couple of weeks, I was coming over here and working a little bit during the day and then obviously needing to um, lead the elementary building too. So it was kind of strange having my mind in two different places. I almost had to split it up and be like, okay, this half of my brain's going to gonna work on um, making sure the kids back at North Lawrence have what they need, but I'm also going to be concentrating. The other side of my brain is going to be working on what Eastern Green needs. So it wasn't too bad. The The leadership at both school corporations really worked well together to come up with a date that was going to work for both schools. Um, and eventually, you know, November 1st was decided that it was going to be my last day at, at North Lawrence, and November 4th was going to be my first day here at Eastern Green. So it wasn't too bad. Um, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of goodbyes at the at the building I was at. I, I got very close to the kids and the teachers at um, Lincoln Elementary, where I was the the principal for nine a little over nine weeks. I got very close to them very quickly. It's a very neat school, so um, that was one of the hardest parts of saying goodbye to a bunch of people that I grew very close to very quickly. But for the most part, it, it wasn't too bad. Must have been really emotional, like you said, when you. Left. It was. I never thought it would be be like that because I I thought oh I I'll be able to leave pretty easily, but it was it was very um, it was very obvious very quickly that that wasn't going to be the case because uh, like I said I, the the teachers and the students really took me in and made me part of the uh, part of the building and so yeah it was there were some emotional times when we had to say goodbye. I feel like a lot of that emotion resonates here at Eastern too, because we've had teachers that have left or retired or gone on to other positions. And what's amazing about it is that there always seems to be a large group of people that get emotional about it. Pretty much everybody here at the school is seen as family by everybody. Yeah. And I think that speaks to the culture that we talked about earlier. It's, it's, I've been at school corporations and buildings where it's not like that. Somebody leaves, people don't really, you know, it's almost like they could care less. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're, you're, you're replaceable. And, and yeah, you are, but you also want to feel like you made an impact there. And that's what I like about schools like um, Eastern and, you know, Lincoln, where I came from. It's, it's um, you can really tell the, the schools that buy into the, the, the belief that culture really makes a difference. So yeah, I, I agree. So when you got the position to become the superintendent at Eastern, 
were you excited? How did you feel when you heard you got the position? Yeah, I was very excited. Um, it was kind of like a, a goal that had been fulfilled. I'd been working on being a superintendent for about the past two to three years. Um, had a few interviews here, there, um, different places. Um, got, I think, got somewhat close a few times, being in the you know final few. Um, so it always feels good when you accomplish a goal. So that was the first thing I felt is like I I accomplished a goal. Second thing I felt was um, just the excitement of something new. Um, coming into a new school system, get to meet a lot of people, a lot of students, you know, parents, employees, and um, get to be a part of something. Um, help help Eastern um, thrive where they're thriving. You know, help them improve in those areas that they want to improve in. And so that was that was the next thing. Is just I'm really all about just being a servant and being here to to help and serve others and. So that was a bit of excitement for me too, as a new way to new way to serve. So that's some of the some of the feelings I had, I guess. I kind of want your opinion on this. Mm-hmm. What do you think are the biggest challenges the education system runs across to these days? Yeah, there's a few. I mean, obviously we're coming off the big Red for Ed Day um, a couple weeks ago in Indianapolis when we had, you know, I think they're estimating about twenty five thousand um, teachers showed up for that. So. Um, one of the biggest things is definitely teacher pay. Um, that is huge. And I've seen that kind of going in the wrong direction for several years now. Um, unfortunately, you know, the state, um, in my opinion, is not funding the, the main fund that we have to pay teachers out of very well. It's called the educational fund. And the, the money that goes into that is basically tied to the kids you have in your school. Um, which, you know, part of that's okay, but part of that also is not going to allow you to, you know, in my opinion, fairly pay the teachers for, you know, being a professional. I mean, we're talking about people with college degrees here, some of them with multiple college degrees, and we're not paying them at a rate that is keeping up with just simple inflation and and what I would expect to pay someone who is a professional. So teacher pay is definitely a huge one. Another challenge, in my opinion, is standardized testing. Um, you know, I learn it costs our state millions of dollars. I think the latest ter- the latest figure I saw was forty five million dollars that we spend on um, testing. And now, now, don't get me wrong, I, I I do think we should be testing our students in some way to measure how they are growing and how they are learning. But it has to be done in a way that our um, teachers can use that information and use that data. Oftentimes, we don't get that data back until those students are out of the previous teacher's classes. Now, I guess the next teacher could use them, but it's, in my opinion, the data that we get off of iLearn is not, um, it's not user-friendly. It's not something our teachers can look at and be like, oh, I can do this with my students now because I saw that they scored poorly here. It's it's not very user-friendly, in my opinion. So I think that money could be used better, in my opinion. I think we need a better test than, than I learn. Th- those are two of the biggest obstacles, challenges that, that I see right now in education. Yeah. With these standardized testings, I agree with what you said. Testing is important because it's a good way to help a student establish what they've learned and kind of in a way make them feel proud of themselves. Mm-hmm. realizing that no matter 
even if they didn't want to get out of bed in the morning to come to school, they've gotten something out of it, a good education. Yeah. I just feel like with the standardized testing, there isn't really a clear way with preparing for it, which can kind of make it seem a bit intimidating than it already needs to be. Well, and especially since, I guess I should have talked about this one too, it's another challenge. It just, it seems like the tests are solely meant to be used toward um, teachers and um, rating them and evaluating them. So to me, um, it needs to be used in a couple different ways. I think that information needs to be used to help kids succeed. Do I think it should play some role in a teacher's um, evaluation? Yeah, possibly. Um, because at the end of the day, we are, you know, our main goal is to help kids succeed. So um, should we be judged on how kids are doing? Absolutely. I don't disagree with that. But we just need a better system. I just don't think the system is working right now for, you know, teacher evaluation and, and using those scores to, to evaluate student or to evaluate teachers. Yeah. It's one of those that hopefully with the great minds that we've got out there, maybe we can really do something yep. to make it seem like a better. I'm hoping so. Yeah. What did you have to do to become a superintendent? What, what studies or education were, were required to sure. attain this position? Yep. Well, it was kind of a multi-step process because um, first, obviously, you go to college to become a teacher and you get your bachelor's degree, which is, I, that's what I did. Um, and then I said about after my third year of teaching, I started taking classes toward my master's degree in educational leadership which would give me a principal's license. So um, I took basically one class each semester, and I would typically take two classes in the summer. So I was taking about 12 credit hours a year, and it took me three years to get through that. So um, at the end of my, I guess I, guess it, I should have said it was after my fourth year of teaching. So at the end of my seventh year of teaching, I was a licensed principal in the state of Indiana. And I got, uh, I got a um, assistant principal's job right away after my seventh year of teaching. So then I was an assistant principal for five years, and then I became um, a principal of an elementary. So I, I taught at the high school level. I was a middle school assistant principal, and then I was an elementary principal. So um, it's been kind of neat to be at all three levels. I really enjoy knowing and you know, having the ins and outs of all those three different levels. It's been kind of neat. So after about my, I think my sixth year as an elementary principal, I decided that I wanted to go and um, get my licensure as a superintendent. Well, there's two routes you can go for that. You can either go for your PhD, which is a doctorate in education, and you, you take classes, you write a dissertation, which is a very long paper. Usually it's about 200 to 250 pages, could be more, because you basically are um, studying something that's uh, researching something that, that you find interesting. Or you can take classes and get what is called an EDS, which is an educational specialist license. And so basically it's just a step beyond the master's degree. Well, I originally was going after the PhD. I um, was taking PhD classes. Um, 
I was preparing to write for my my dissertation and um, actually got kind of sick, nothing life-threatening, but I had a very bad summer when I should have been writing my dissertation all summer. I got sick and just couldn't do it. Um, so I got behind where I wanted to be, but yet I still wanted to pursue the superintendency. So I just took a couple extra classes that I needed and got the EDS. So um, I have my EDS. And like I said earlier, I'm only, um, I'm only short of my doctorate by writing my, my dissertation. That is a goal that I might accomplish here in the near future. We'll see. Um, but that's kind of the process you have to go through to, to do it. So it's, it's challenging because all those degrees I said I have, I had to do it kind of while I was teaching. I mean, other than my bachelor's, but my, my master's and my um, EDS I had to do while I was either a teacher or a principal. So I had to juggle being a student and teaching to, to get that accomplished. So, but it's, it's been a, a very worthwhile goal to, to accomplish. Was it hard trying to become a superintendent or a successful person in the education industry? Yeah, it was, it was difficult. There was definitely times where I had to, like, for example, when I was teaching and getting my uh, principal's license, I was teaching, I was um, an assistant basketball coach at the high school level, and I was a student, and um, I also had a one-year-old son. So I had to juggle all of that stuff. Um, I ended up giving up coaching. Um, something had to give because I was just way too busy with all of that, and I felt like um, I was getting home late from basketball practice and still needed to study and write papers. And I had a one-year-old son who I was, you know, I'd get to see him for just a little bit before it was bedtime for him. So I felt like I needed to be home more. So in the second year of my uh, three years of getting my uh, principal's license, I gave up coaching because I just needed to be home more. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was difficult at times. There's times where you're like, am I going to make it through this? <laughs> but you just keep, you, you just keep working hard. And it all works out in the end. So, yeah, it can be, it can definitely be challenging. But I just believe in if if you want to do something um, and you set goals, you've you've got to look for that light at the end of the tunnel. You can't look back. You just got to keep looking forward and working hard. And that's what I did, and it's it's worked out for me pretty well. That's really cool. What do you think is the greatest part about the education system? Yeah. Well. I, the greatest part of education in general is it opens up doors. Um, I don't care who you are, what background you have, um, what kind of lifestyle you had growing up. Education will open up doors for you if you want it to and if you allow it to. Some of us don't find that out till later, and that's fine. There's some people that, that um, don't see that growing up. They don't see it in high school, um, and they take a different path at first. They go right into the workforce, which is fine. That's great. Um, but then they realize, you know, I want something more. I want to do something more, and education is usually the key to that. And I'm not talking about a university even. I mean, there's people that go right into the workforce, and they decide they want something more, and they're, they, they're great with their hands. So I want to be a carpenter. I want to be an electrician. I want to be a pipe fitter. Well, that takes education because, I mean, you're, you're going to go get training somewhere. Um, so to me, the, the greatest thing about education in general is it just opens up so many doors for people. 
Um, I would say now if we're talking about the greatest thing in our education system, let's say the, the United States, I think the greatest thing is that we educate everybody. There's, there's nobody that, that we don't give a chance to, to be educated. And not every country can say that. Um, you know, I, I often t- hear a lot of people who bash the United States education system. Oh, well, we're last in this category. We're, we're 45th in the world in math. And that's not, that's not a stat for me. That's just something I, I'm saying. But you often see these things where we're, we're behind so many other of these countries in science and math and this and that. Well, what they fail to tell you is they're only taking the statistics in, that, in another country of those kids who are afforded the opportunity to even attend school. You know, there's, there's countries out there where kids aren't either allowed to go to school or they don't have the opportunity to go to school because they live too far away. We educate everybody in the United States. Um, everybody who wants, wants, wants an education in, in the public schools has that right and has the ability to, to, to go if, if, they, if they so wish. So I think that's the greatest thing about the United States education system is that we, we are trying to help every single uh, student in the country in some way or another. Yeah, I, I, I think that, especially with the United States as a whole, as far as education, what makes us stand out is that we give everybody the chance. We don't, we don't just push anybody aside just because where you come from, who you are, what you've done. We always let you have the chance to really make something of yourself. Yeah. And especially here at Eastern, because all these teachers, they never give up on you. They always try to find a way to help you get through it all. And there's students here that just want just to give up and go home. I'm not going to lie. There have been some days that I've wanted to do that. (laughs) But the teachers, they don't want to let you give up, and they don't let you give up. And at first, that might seem cruel, but in in the long run, it really does a lot yep. for that person. Yep, I agree. You need those people that are uh, behind you. Yeah. How do you deal with the differences of opinions between staff and students? Okay, good question. Well, first of all, you have to understand that that you know, we live in a country that really believes that the difference of opinions is an important thing. So you have to keep that at the core of your your um, own belief system. I don't agree with everything everybody says out there. I have my own political beliefs. I have my own um, morals and values, and they don't line up with everybody else's, but that's fine. Um, There's a lot of things that people believe and do that really don't affect me. Um, So I have to kind of let that, let that go. And, and and that's okay. Um, when it comes to the, the school system and, and how people believe, I still think that it's important to have that dialogue. And if people aren't agreeing about something, then you openly speak about it. Um, you bring those groups together to, to get it out in the open. I mean, we do it as, as adults. I mean, we, we have things set up in the school system where, um, administrators and teachers talk about things and it's not always about things we disagree with it's about things they need more information about about once a month 
teachers come together with myself and the administrators and we sit down at a table and they have things they want more information about, things that are going on with the corporation and things of that nature. 90% or more of it is not things we don't disagree on. It's just they want information. Now, every once in a while, you might have a topic that, um, you know, teachers might feel one way about and administration feels another way about. We talk about it and we try to come to some sort of middle ground that makes both sides feel, you know, good about it. Um, so that's one way. When it comes to students and teachers, um, I think teachers need to be respectful of student beliefs and and their um, and students wanting to talk about their beliefs. And the same way, I think teacher students need to make sure they're being appropriate with the way they approach it. Um, you know, I've had students before when I was in the classroom who get very confrontational about an issue that didn't need to be confrontational, and it puts a teacher on the defensive right away. So. I guess the, the, the main advice I would give to teachers, students, administrators, everybody working in schools is have open, honest dialogue, agree to disagree if, if you can't find that middle ground, and just be appropriate when you're bringing up those topics that you want to talk about. And I think it's, you know, it'll, if you do those things, it, the situation is going to take care of itself. A lot of students, how you said that they tried to make a big deal out of everything. Mm -hmm. I feel like especially in the teenage years. And the best way to handle that is to voice out your own opinion or meet in the middle. Mm -hmm. And I think that is really the only way to yeah. go for that. Yeah, I think students need to understand that, that there are some times where there's not going to be a middle ground, where there's certain policies that a teacher has to uphold in the classroom that's just, you know, it's not, it's not negotiable. If they want to have the, the open conversation of why it's not negotiable, I can, I can get behind that. There, there are some students that they, they, they need an explanation. They need to know. Yeah. And, I, and I get that. Um, but they also need to understand that there are some things that, that aren't necessarily negotiable. Same thing with my position. Sometimes I have to explain to teachers that I'm sorry, this is the way it's going to have to be. It's, it's th this situation is not really negotiable. We're not going to be able to find a, uh, a common ground on this one. Um, but as long as I can explain to them why and there's solid um, reasons behind it, I think we can, we can all understand each other and, and get along with that. I feel like talking to you, you are really confident in your, in your position and you really like what you're doing. And I think you are somebody that we really need. Well, I appreciate that. One, one thing that I feel... As a leader, it doesn't matter if you're the leader of a school, leader of a corporation, whatever, leader of a, a sports team, um, you really have to hone your skills in knowing who you are first. You have to know what you value. You have to know um, what your morals are. You have to know what your views are on things um, because you cannot lead others if you don't know, know yourself. So that's what I've tried to do over the years is really get to know myself and know what I believe and what I stand for, and that way I can help each, you know, help lead others in a way that I think is um, most effective and, and helps them the most. Coming to Eastern, what kind of impact do you want to leave on the students when they graduate? Mm -hmm. Well, 
I want students to know they were cared for. Um, wherever I am as a leader, um, one thing that I stress to the other leaders that I work with, you know, the principals um, and the teachers, you have to let those students know that they're cared for or they're, they're never going to work for you. Um, well, I mean, some will. If, if, they're, if, if they're self-motivated, they're going to they're gonna work no matter what. But the ones that we need to reach that need a little bit more help, that need that little extra push, um, that sort of thing, and even the ones that are self-motivated, they still need to know that they're cared for. So I, I'm, I really stress a culture of, of caring, which I believe Eastern has. And I just want to help build on it. So that's the legacy I want to leave behind is that, that students, staff, employees know that, that I care about them. I want to try to work hard to make every place I am, I, you know, that I've been or, or will be, um, to make us as innovative as possible, be creative, um, you know, Eastern is a small rural uh, school corporation. That does not mean that we can't do innovative things like what we're doing right now. There's not a lot of schools this size that have a, you know, a broadcast system like we have right here. That's innovation to me. I want to do more of this type of stuff for the students at Eastern. So we're just going to have to be really creative on how to do it because the funding's not always there. We're going to have to go out and find where that funding is through grants and things like that. So, um, yeah, just just leaving the legacy of caring um, and letting people know that that wherever I was, I had their best interests at heart. Now, compared to other schools, we're a smaller school. We don't have as many opportunities that these others might have. But like you said, what we have that others may not is that we act and treat everyone like family. It's bond that we all share and have shared for a long time. Nearly every student has known each other since kindergarten, so no one's a stranger here. That's what I like about Eastern. It's that we all know each other. There's a lot of positives to to um, small schools, but it's like there's a lot of positives to, to big ones too. But it's it's kind of what what you feel most comfortable with. There are a lot of positives. Big schools have their positives, and small schools have their positives. I think that one of the greatest things about these smaller schools, it kind of feels like sort of a community where everybody knows everybody. We know everybody's business, and we know each other's names. There are students here at Eastern and at different schools all around the world that just don't know what they want to do after high school. And even when they decide, they have a hard time deciding how they're going to go by achieving that goal, that dream, or that profession. Is there anything you'd like to say to those students who might not know what they want to do or are having trouble getting into what they want to do? I, I would tell students that aren't quite sure, don't rush into anything. If you're, Let's say you're on the college-bound track, and it's your senior year, and you really don't know what you want to major in. That is okay. You can, you can enter college being undeclared, and you're going to be taking courses that you will need for any major that, you, that you're going to take. You're going to take some math courses. You're going to take some English courses, some, you know, like writing and things like that. They're going to put you in some, some courses that you're going to need no matter what major you go into, so you're not going to be wasting your time or money. Um, now, after about that first year, after about your freshman year, you probably need to have an idea, but still that gives you a whole nother year 
to figure out what you're you're wanting to do. So number one, don't rush into it. You have time to figure it out. Second thing is that if you're on the college bound track and, and you enter undeclared, meet with your uh, guidance counselor there at the, the, the university as much as possible. There's different things you can do. There's little assessments you can take that, that will help you um, learn what you like and what you don't like, and it could steer you towards a career path. Meet with people who know you. Have them give you advice on you know, what, they, what they think you'd be good at, that sort of thing. Um, if you're not on the, uh, on the college path, my advice for you would be, um, if you're going to enter the workforce right away, find something that you can enjoy while you're still trying to figure out what, what you're wanting to do. One thing I know that works for some people, uh, a lot of people looked at the armed forces. They go into the, the armed forces first. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. My brother did that right out of high school. He earned a lot of money. He saved every penny that he was being paid, and he walked out of there with a decent amount of money, and he walked out with uh, money he could have put towards college. He didn't end up doing that, but he had it if he needed it. Um, so some people use that, and it, you, can, you can almost pay for your um, entire college tuition by giving years of service to the armed forces. So that could be an area people look into. And then another thing I would tell people is if, if you are skilled with your, with your hands, whether it's carpentry, plumbing, um, auto mechanic work, that sort of thing, look to the trade schools. Those are really booming right now because we need more of them. We need mechanics. We need um, people that, that are building structures. We need welders, things like that. So um, if, you're, if you're good at that, Look at trade schools. The opportunities out there are endless, in my opinion. You just need to slow down if you're not sure what you want to do and just seek out the right opportunity. So that would be my biggest advice. Well, Mr. Provo, I thank you so much for joining me today. No problem. I enjoyed it and uh, enjoyed talking a little bit about myself and and, uh, Eastern Green in general. I cannot wait for you to get the full Eastern experience. I know you just started, but once you settle into it, you'll learn that Eastern is a great school to be at. I think you're going to like it here. I'm learning that every day, and I'm uh, planning on getting out to a lot of the different events. And I know we've got the winter sports started up, so I'm going to start getting to those and uh, get to some of the other performances, some of the music performances and you know plays and musicals and things like that. So I plan on being at all that just to take in everything that Eastern has to offer. So I'm looking forward to it. Well, again, thank you so much for talking to me today. No problem. And thank you all for listening. I'm BJ Yoho, and this has been Thundercast. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Thundercast. Please tune in for our next episode coming very soon. If you have any suggestions or comments, please email us at thundercast at egreen.k12.in.us. You can subscribe to hear every episode of Thundercast on iTunes, Google Play Music, and Podbean. All content in this podcast is property Eastern Green School Corporation and may not be used without express written permission. All rights reserved.